and welcome to Table Topics, the general advice and discussion podcast from the RPG Academy. I am Michael, and this is Table Topics number 62, Synergy One-Shot. In this episode, Caleb and I discuss one-shot as our gamer's lexicon. We then move into a synergy that we do with the newest Magic the Gathering set, Cons of Tarkir, which we sort of do as a one-shot, kind of keeping with the theme. And then we round out the episode with me awkwardly reading some reviews from iTunes. So hopefully you guys will enjoy. And uh, if you would like for me to read your review, all you have to do is write us one on iTunes or Stitcher. So here you go. Here is Table Topics number 62, Synergy One Shot. Welcome to Table Topics. I'm your co-host, Michael, and uh, as I usually do, I have brought along my favorite co-host and yours, the Caleb G. Hello. How are you today, sir? I am much better today than I've been the rest of this week, although it is really early that we're recording, and this sunlight is really confusing me. (laughs) Yeah, it is kind of early. We we have, because I was on my big, long, crazy Disney vacation, we really haven't had a lot of chance to record, so we kind of had to... Squeeze one in there, as they say, um, and uh, but I think we got some good stuff, so I'm excited about today. But before we get into that, I want to go backwards a little bit. So for the longest time, anytime we had a new review on iTunes, I would read it as part of our intro to our table topics. And uh, fairly recently, we got some feedback that our intros were too long. So I kind of stopped doing that, but I still want to acknowledge when we get these reviews. So what I think I'm going to do is at the top of the show today, I'm going to recognize a few people that have written us reviews, and then at the end of the show, I will actually read them. So if anyone's interested and they want to hear them, then they absolutely can, but if someone's, you know, wanting just to kind of get into the meat of the show, we're not taking up so much room at the top with that. It's a good idea. So first of all, I do want to thank RPG Gamer Dad. Um, He's launched his very own podcast. Um, I've only listened to a couple episodes of it, actually one and a half. It's different, and I like it. But I haven't kind of made my mind up yet. I need a couple more episodes to really get a feel for what he's doing. But he wrote us a really nice review on iTunes. But it turns out he did it in the UK, because that's where he's from. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that there was different iTunes. I just assumed iTunes was iTunes, but there's not. There's actually a way for you to go in and set up the region and country. And then you have a completely different uh, system. So if you go into iTunes in the UK, you get to see this great review that he wrote us. Now, that got me thinking, huh, there's a lot of countries in the world. Maybe we have fans in places we have never heard from. So I started started spot-checking some of the other countries and regions and seeing if we had any reviews on iTunes from these other places. Now, Caleb, go ahead and ask me, which countries did I check? Hey, Michael, which countries did you check? All of them, because I'm crazy. Every single one of them. Even the ones that don't understand what they were, I didn't even hear of them. And they're all just like Japanese symbols. No idea. I checked all of them. We had one other review from Canada. And I wanted to give a shout out to Popsicle Man 9. So Popsicle Man 9, if you are still listening to us, I apologize that I did not reference your review earlier. I didn't know it existed. Sorry. I love Canada. Yay. What is this about? You just insulted all of our Canadian listeners. <laughs> well, apparently it's only one. No, not um, anymore. Now it's <laughs> Darn. 
Uh, hey, I love that Bob McKenzie movie. That was awesome. What? The one with the two guys who drink beer all the time. The old uh, Saturday Night Live oh, skit. Yeah, that one. Um, yeah. Yeah. The thing with the place. And the thing and the beer. That's right. right. Hey. Oh. So I also wanted to give a little bit of a shout out because we ended up with several iTunes reviews and ratings while I was on vacation. Just within a matter of like 10 days, we got quite a few new ones, more ratings than reviews. But I mentioned quickly, uh, I thought that Z-O-M-G-H-A-X-X was RPG Gamer Dad. Turns out I was wrong. So that's actually two different reviews that we got. And then we also got one from CMB Ryan, which I'm guessing is CM Brian. But the way the capitals work is it looks like CMB Ryan. And then by M-A-T-T, which I'm guessing is Matt. Thank you all for writing a review. It, it's like, it's acronym though. It's M period A period T period T period. So it's possible it can be something else, but it looks like Matt. New segment on RPG Academy. Michael tries to read your screen name and make sense of it. <laughs> Thrilling radio. Thrilling radio. You'll never stop listening. Thank you all for taking the time. Uh, for those of you who left us a rating, and especially those of you who left us a review, some very, very nice words of encouragement. And um, so at the end of this episode, I'm going to actually go through and read all of the new ones. So they will all be on there at the end. Um, and thank you guys very much for that. But we're going to get into today's show. And Caleb, how are we going to start today's show? Um, we are going to start with uh, our newest feature, <clears throat> which we have had some good success with, thanks to listener feedback, uh, and that is going to be our Gamer Lexicon, uh, which we don't have a theme song for. Doodly, 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 gamer Lexicon. We do now. Damn it. I'm going to do that every show now, aren't I? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll let you introduce Lexicon, since I am now the musical host as well. Well, did we ever settle? Is it Headmaster Crunch? Is that is that was that what we're going with? Um, I'm gonna go with Professor Crunch because that's what okay. uh, our good buddy Cowboy Centaur deemed me on Twitter the other day. Okay, uh, so you're Professor Crunch, and I'm Headmaster Fluff. Though that sounds really dirty. Like that's really, that's the only thing. There's <laughs> it's a, so borderline. You picked Fluff, I think, if I remember correctly. So that's all on you. Yeah. And yet again, we forgot our new tagline that we're the uh, crunch and fluff. We're like trail mix of RPG advice. Trail mix of gaming advice. Yeah, we're we're have to work on that. You could be you could be principal or uh, principal fluff. No, no, I don't know. I mean, headmaster makes the most sense. I just don't like the way those two words go together. Well, I mean, I guess chair, professor, captain. Mm. I mean, hell, it's my show. I I be. Admiral. I can be Admiral Fluff if I need to be. You can be whatever you want to be, but I'm going to be a professor. <laughs> You're a professor. All right. So, as always, we'll throw it to our listeners. What's a good title for me so that we can have our Crunch and Fluff segment go a little bit better? But we're getting off topic again. So, our gamer's lexicon for today is One Shot. On our show in particular, we've been running a series of campaigns, and those are adventures that are sort of held together sometimes very coherently and other times not so coherently, but they're still connected. Maybe the same world, maybe the same characters, maybe the same um, story arc over generational situations. But today we're going to talk about more like a one-time at the table, everything goes. This is the type of stuff that you usually play like a convention Without some sort of crazy effort on your part, you're probably not going to make a campaign out of convention games. Maybe organized play might count. 
But Caleb, in your mind, what is a one-shot, and what is the benefit, and what are some of the cool things you can do with one-shots? Okay, so a one-shot is a game that is intended to have a start and finish in one evening of playtime. It, it doesn't have a connection to a larger campaign. Uh, you guys sit down at the table, start your game, and three or four or five hours later when you're done playing, the game is over. Uh, a lot of times you bring in brand new characters or players for a one-shot. Sometimes you can make really cool uh, high-level characters. Sometimes you might work with a pre-made character that the GM brings for you if it's a system you're not familiar with or uh, you guys are playing something unique. But uh, essentially, a one-shot is a sit-down, play this, be done, go home. It doesn't really continue. You don't have to care about the story going forward to the next session. As to some of the cool things you can do with a one-shot, like I said, you can make really unique characters, you can make high-level characters, you can play around with mechanics or class builds that you don't normally make use of, you can jump into the deep end of uh, power gaming or min-maxing character and just make the coolest, craziest, wackiest build of a character you can think of. You can try to make a character that embodies an existing persona. So if you wanted to play a specific superhero, or you wanted to play a character from a movie, or if everyone at the table agreed to play characters in a TV show, and you played out an episode of the TV show, you can do that with a one-shot, because it doesn't really matter how you got to that point, so you don't have to pay as much attention to the role-playing why I have this spell, or why this character has this weapon. You can just slam it all together and make it cool and have a lot of fun. Yeah, we've sort of mentioned on the show before, at least I know I've specifically said that, you know, you can't run a campaign with everybody wanting to play Wolverine. The brooding loner doesn't really work well in a party cohesiveness, but a one-shot is the time where you can do that. Just like sort of the X-Men movies, you create an artificial BS comic booky way that the Wolverine has to be part of the team for this adventure. You throw everybody together and you let everybody play an X-Men and you have a one-shot and you can have a lot of fun and the guy who gets to play Wolverine gets to be Wolverine, but you don't have to worry about trying to figure out, well, okay, well, why is he still with the team next week? And why is he still with the team next week? Or, you know, DC, you could play the Justice League where everybody gets to play their favorite superheroes in the DC universe for a one shot. I love the TV idea. You know, again, you and I both like Supernatural. It would be awesome to play an episode of Supernatural as a one shot, but it would be difficult to want to try to be Sam and Dean for a campaign. It doesn't always work. I'm sure there's groups out there that have done this and I'm sure it works. But for most people and most groups, I think a one shot is a chance to do these things where you don't usually play high level, play high level. You don't usually play the X-Men, play the X-Men. Uh, we're coming up on Halloween. This, now, this episode probably will come out after Halloween, but it's still within the same time frame. This is a good time to maybe take a break from your existing campaign and have a themed episode where it is Halloween. Are you, do you play the kids at the you know, Camp Crystal Lake? And you're being hunted by Jason, or do you do a game where you are Freddy Krueger, you're Mike Myers, you're Jason, and you actually attack the uh, the kids, and you work together as the bad guys? Those are the types of things that you can do in a one-shot. And then the last thing that I'll mention, I'll turn it back to you, 
is we are in the process of doing some one-shots, what we're calling the trials of new game systems. And we recently did that with Dungeon World. And uh, the YouTube video of that game is up now. The podcast will be out soon. And we're going to do our next table topic after this one is we're going to do kind of a recap of that game and what we thought of the system and talk about Dungeon World. So a one-shot is a great way to play a new game system without really committing to all the financial responsibility of buying every book and every source book for a new game. So if you're thinking about trying out D&D 5e, play a one-shot. If you want to try out Savage Worlds, play a one-shot, those types of things. Do you have anything else you want to add to the one-shot conversation? Uh, Actually, yeah. Um, The reason I suggested doing a one-shot for Alexicon, um, one of our listeners over on Twitter, at GrogSD, actually hit us up uh, a few weeks ago asking some advice about doing a Halloween-themed one-shot, and we've been chatting a little bit on Twitter. When you're thinking about doing a one-shot, don't restrict yourself to just playing a movie or a TV show. Yeah, that's awesome, that's really fun, but play within the the world of your own game as well. If you guys are playing Dungeons & Dragons, throw together a, a really cool one-shot that is just all kinds of crazy stuff happening. I mean, it's Halloween right now, so do a one-shot where you're just in a dungeon that's filled with all the undead out of the Libris Mortis book, all zombies and ghosts and ghouls and vampires. Uh, Do a one-shot where you're in a village that is being overrun by different Lickenthrope characters out of the Monster Manual. Play a one-shot where one of your party is secretly infected with a a zombie disease or a Lickenthrope disease or mummy rot, and that one character is secretly trying to infect everybody else. I mean, there's so much that you can do with one-shots. Doing things that are themed makes it a little bit easier for you as a GM to put things together. It's Halloween, so doing scary, spooky one-shots, it's always super easy. Thanksgiving and Christmas are around the corner. Make those festival one-shots. You know, it's the the fall harvest festival. That can be Thanksgiving. Uh, It's the winter solstice. That's an easy Christmas one. You can even do a one-shot with your players' existing characters. Don't be afraid to exploit some of those very classic, cliche fantasy tropes. It's all a dream. A, A deity or an entity from the Feywild sucks your player characters into another dimension and has them do one specific mission. And who cares what happens during that mission? At the end of it, you're back where you started and everyone's fine and you have these memories of what happened or dreams or maybe there's a specific item you bring back with you. Uh, A one-shot doesn't have to necessarily be a different game or a different world. It's fun to do that, though. But you can very easily play around within the sandbox that you have created of your D&D world and keep everything going and still do a separate one-shot. Absolutely. And, you know, you could do a flashback, you could do a side quest. Uh, there's, you know, there's a way that you can work that in. And then, you know, for some groups like mine, we play three to four hours. Like we're lucky if we get four full hours of playing in each time we get together. When I was in college, we would play 12 hours at a time on a Saturday. So it, there really isn't a time limit necessarily for a one shot other than it's, it's supposed to be one session. For what your group that you know your mileage may vary on what that means, but there are some 
there's some things you got to keep in mind when you're designing a one-shot because you do want to have a conclusion. Uh, in an ongoing campaign, often you want to try to end at a cliffhanger so that everybody really wants to come back next time and is excited about what's going to happen. With a one-shot, you need a beginning, you need a middle, and you need an end. And you can still leave it in a way that opens it up that you could play a series of one-shots over time, but it's still not exactly the same thing as what you would think of as a campaign. So we're going to move into our synergy session where we're going to try, and I do mean try because we have not worked this out ahead of time, people, to come up with a one-shot based off of a synergy session on some cards that, uh, that I got that we have only briefly looked through. So I bought a package of the newest version of Magic the Gathering, at least as far as I know. Um, it's called the Cons of Tarkir. These are the cards that I got. I'm going to read through them, and then I'm going to go through kind of like what my initial thought was based on these. And then Caleb and I are really going to pretty much just live, real time here, try to come up with a one-shot based off of those. I'm also, once I get around to posting this, I will put images of the cards in the posting. So you guys, if you're looking at them, you'll be able to see what they are. If not, certainly you can go online and, and pull them up yourself. Uh, but this is the order that I got the cards in. I got Arrow Storm, Mardu Horde Chief, Glacial Stalker, Shatter, Molting Snakeskin, Dragon Scale Boon, Tranquil Grove, Rock, Rock Sasha's Secret, Mardu Banner, Naturalize, Become Immense, Abzan Falconer, Mardu Rough Rider, and then Hooded Hydra. And my, I, uh, my land was a plane. So my initial thoughts, this is kind of what I came up with, and, and this is going to be our framework, is that, again, this being a one-shot, probably would have pre-generated characters, and so there will be some preamble to get things set, but that our characters are living in the land of Abzan. That is their home country. And it is bordered uh, by another one that is ruled by a Genghis Khan type of ruler who is this Mardu Horde chief. And he recently has been invading and sort of pushing into the, our territory. And what's going on is that there is a Yanti witch that has sort of poisoned his mind and is the, uh, you know, the power behind the throne, the, the, the vizier that is secretly messing everything up. And that she is trying to convince him to do things that he shouldn't do and causing battle. Uh, because of the Rock Sasha's secret, I'm thinking that perhaps either the Yanti is actually a Rock Sasha in disguise or the Rock Sasha is the actual super big bad guy who's truly behind everything. But that this witch has been given this uh, clan chief some additional powers. And at least one of the scenes that I thought would be interesting, we talked about this months ago, uh, where you start a scene with the bad guys. So I thought it would be interesting to start off this game with our characters playing some just NPC guardsmen, maybe at a practice in an armory or, or something like that, and all of the weapons and armor in the room come alive and attack our NPC, our PCs, killing them all, and that's where we get the first hint that there's a supernatural element to this, and then our characters would then investigate that scene uh, and determine that there's a witch involved. I'm thinking about the Glacial Stalker, maybe actually making a true glacier. Maybe there is an encroaching force in on the Horde Chief's land that is forcing them to move, and the Witch is only making this a violent move rather than just sort of a negotiation for peace. I like the idea of the Tranquil Grove being an area that is sort of like um, sacred ground where you're not allowed to fight. So at some point, there'll be a parlay there between our characters and either the Horde Chief or some of his men 
but the witch will not keep to that and will have a battle. And I really like the idea of, of, of our characters knowing we cannot shed blood here, but they're being attacked. So they have to defend and get away or neutralize the attack without actually causing any harm. Otherwise, they will suffer some sort of consequence uh, in their homeland. Um, I like the idea of the shatter being some sort of artifact or power that the witch gives that is destroying weapons and armor. So every time an army is brought before the Horde Chief, this like their weapons and armor are being sundered and making them easier to kill. And the only thing that will defeat that is this dragon scale boon. So perhaps there is an actual dragon nearby that the, the players will have to go negotiate with and get some sort of magical armor, like the dragon scale armor, that is resistant to the shatter. And then the hooded hydra, I mean, it makes sense. That's the big boss battle when it comes down to it. Really, that's about all I have as far as just kind of going through the, the cards there. So with that as a framework, what do you think about how could we design a one-shot out of those cards? Hmm. Okay. So when I think of a one-shot with these cards, I think first off we need to be careful that we are not putting too many random story elements in there. Of course, we want to keep the story interesting, but with the understanding that this is a one-shot, your players are going to come to the table knowing that this is a one-shot. It's not You wouldn't just spring it on them randomly, most likely. So putting in those great flavor elements of the, the countries that are at war and this war chief and that war chief, that is all kind of going to get condensed down into exposition at the start of the, sh- the one-shot. So essentially you're going to come to the table, all right, guys, we're playing this one-shot tonight. You are all warriors in this one land. There's a situation with this other country. This is who you are within your own country, and here's the situation. There's less exploration and there's less discovery throughout the game. So we don't want to put in too much about this guy secretly controlling this guy and this doing that. You do want to have some interesting moments, though. So having having the witch be like a secret vizier or secretly controlling somebody is great, but you want to, you want to build in that reveal. Uh, you don't want to hold that in your back pocket. And, and keep it from the players. So as, as a bit of a, a mechanical aside here, with a one-shot, you do kind of have to build the plot a little bit. And we've talked about this a lot in the past, about keeping things open-world versus a railroad plot. And in a one-shot, while you still want to keep everything loose and free and, and leave the decisions up to your players you do kind of have to bring in those set moments. Like in this example here, if the plan was to have the witch be the, the secret power behind the throne, you don't want to keep that a secret. You want to reveal her in that dramatic, oh, I'm the bad guy monologue, and let her go crazy. I like, uh, go, going back to these cards and what we're doing here, I like having uh, the witch being a manipulator behind the scenes. I think having the players start as uh, maybe warriors for their own kingdom, like the best of the best, the the elite guard maybe, and then having to investigate this problem. And uh, through some creative role-playing or some deduction or investigation skills, finding the evidence of this witch and tracking her down. I think that would be a good way to start. 
because it's a clear mission. It's find the witch. You start, you end with finding the witch and fighting her. So there's your beginning and there's your end. One-shots kind of have to be, hey, do this thing, complete this task, find the MacGuffin. No, yeah, they absolutely have to be directed. Uh, you still want to have meaningful choices and decisions and how they go about or what or, or what order they go about oh, doing sure. things in. But absolutely, I mean, it, it, it stops being a one-shot if you have it be a completely open world. And one of the things that I've noticed by listening to other podcasts, one shot in particular, but just other podcasts, is that when you're playing one shots, that your transition scenes are often very concise. It's like, okay, we decided we need to go find X. Okay, you are now in front of the cavern where X is located. And you cut out all that, you know, a lot of times in normal campaigns, you have the travel and you have random encounters and you have this, that, and the other. You sort of skip all that so that you direct the action and keep the game moving because you are dealing with a limited amount of time. So what I'm thinking is we start with the uh, the NPC scene. Depending on how much time you have, if you only have three or four hours, you probably would have to skip this scene and just have the PCs investigate it. But I like the idea of playing it because I think it'd be fun. Yeah. You play just ra- random NPC guards, uh, guardsmen, that type of thing, and then they get attacked by the living weapons. Maybe there's an image of a, of a Yanti witch in you know or shadow on the wall or some something that gives the indication that it's there then obviously all these pcs get npcs get killed so our pcs come in they investigate they find some evidence maybe there's like snake tracks that make no sense in the sand so they have an idea then their king or their leader whatever title we want to give calls them and says you know we've been having these issues with this uh war chief neighboring he's encroaching on our lands we think he might be involved I've set up a parlay in the Tranquil Grove, whatever you want to call it. Will you please go treat with him and find out what's going on? So then you have your role play scene. So you start with a battle. Then you have your role play scene. So you move in. Now you're doing your investigative scene where you're in the grove. And maybe there's like a tattoo of a Yanti snake creature. And the PCs notice that it moves. Like at one point it's on his shoulder. Then it moves to the other shoulder subtly. Or maybe there's just the way he's acting. It's clear he's being mind controlled. And that's like, oh, okay, clearly the witch is behind it. So now the mission is don't kill this guy because he's not evil, and but, but he's doing the bad thing. So then we have to go search for the witch. So I think that's like the first half of the game there. So then the, the, the back half is how do they know where to go and how do they get there? One of the cards is the Mordu banner. So maybe this is the seat of power. It's like a command tent. Uh, and they have to infiltrate the army. They have to sneak in and get to there. So you have like a sneak, a sneaking scene, maybe some role play scene where they got to infiltrate and pretend to be somebody else. And then you have your big battle with the uh, Yanti witch. Once she's dead, everybody regains their senses. So they don't have to worry about fighting their way back out. And then you learn that, the, the, that there's actually another power that Roxasha's secret is that they learned that there was actually one more level controlling things, but that's for another adventure. We don't have to deal with that this time. Okay, yeah, I'm liking that. So uh, I like I like how you were establishing the scenes of the one-shot by kind of their mechanical use. And that's a good way when you're designing a one-shot to frame it out. If you're kind of stuck on the story, you can say, all right, I want to have a great stealth scene where everyone's trying to be really sneaky and infiltrate a camp. I want to have a great battle scene here and a great battle scene there. I want to have a role-playing scene. I want to have an investigation scene. And you can do that with anything. You know, okay, I want a scene where they're in a tavern 
and it's all about social interaction and gathering information from the people in the tavern. So you're you're kind of highlighting bardic use and social skills. I want a scene where they are racing against the clock to create to complete an arcane ritual. So it's a skill challenge. It's it's racing against a timer that you, it's actually physically counting down. Maybe you put an egg timer on the counter and you make everyone actually work in the real time of that clicking, ticking clock. And there's nothing wrong with doing it that way. When, when you're writing a, a huge campaign, yes, you want to keep it open and free-flowing and leave a lot of room for creativity. You don't want to say, okay, here is the battle where everyone fights with arrows. Here is the scene where everyone makes diplomacy checks. But in a one-shot, you do kind of have to go back to that more core, what is happening, what is the point, what is the reason that I am telling this part of the story. And as you said, Michael, it is a great tool to jump from scene to scene in a one-shot. In a real campaign, if we have to travel three days to the dragon's cave to find the scale mail, yeah, I, I might want to play that out. I might want to say, all right, what are you guys doing on the first day? Make navigation rolls, make survival checks. Someone has to keep watch or you might get attacked. You want to use that game time for role-playing to happen and interesting development. In a one-shot, you don't have time for that. Hey, we have to go three days to the Dragon Cave. Okay, three days later, you're there. Nothing happened. <laughs> or, all right, halfway through, well, someone fell asleep at the watch and you guys got attacked, so here's a quick battle. Survive it. Okay, now you made it. Uh, you know, th you can do things like that. That's totally fine. And I, I think it helps, too, in, the, in this particular scenario. Obviously, we're thinking of, I would, I would assume, using pre-gens, because that helps you sort of formulate what the characters can do. If you left this completely up to the, to the players, they might all come up with barbarians. And so then your parlay scene, your sneaking scene, those are out the window. Because if uh, everybody's playing barbarians, they're going to kill everything or try. So if you have a game where, okay, well, here's your, you know, your face man, they're a bard or they're a charismatic paladin. Here's your rogue. Here's your cleric. Here's your fighter. Then you're going to kind of help guide them in their decision because someone's going to say, hey, I'm good at sneaking. How about we sneak in? Or one person's like, I'm really good at talking, so let me try to talk to this guy. They still may not. That's part of the game. Sure. People are going to do silly, crazy stuff. But you're less likely to have a whole party of barbarians that just want to smash everything. And then it's going to make it more difficult to do a one-shot. And I think for me, at least in my experience, when you're playing a one-shot, because I don't, I don't do them often, but when I do, there's sort of an agreed-upon understanding at the table that we're just going to kind of go with things. If this was a campaign and I'm DMing, I'm going to give them a lot more freedom and let them go like whatever they really want to do. But in a one-shot, I kind of expect people to be like, okay, we're going to kind of go with the flow here because we're trying to accomplish something. And I understand that you're going to, we have a, a set amount of time. Now, with, with the cards that we had, if you had a group that does have a 12-hour one-shot time frame, you could very easily add in some of these side tangents, the go speak to the dragon. Maybe the dragon is the one who tells them about the witch or does give them the armor that is not affected by the witch's curse. So that way their weapons and armor don't fight against them in the, in the battle. But you might just skip that if you've only got a three or four hour game. I, I think it's important to note here that when we're talking about pre-gens, that doesn't necessarily have to be PCs that you as the GM make for the players. You might not have time for that. Um, you might not be you might you might not feel comfortable building characters like that. Uh, if you are planning out a one shot, have a conversation with your players and say, Hey guys, we're doing a one shot. It's gonna be higher level than normal, we're gonna do some fun things. Tell me 
the type of character that you really want to make. And if everyone says they want to make a fighter, make your one-shot, exploit that, and, and be okay to do that. But if someone says, okay, I really want to be an awesome bard with all these social skills and diplomacy and stuff like that, and someone else says, I really want to be you know, a, a, a wizard that has all these investigative arcane abilities, you then build the one-shot to, to reward that type of play. And talk with your players as you are preparing for the one-shot. If they are dead set on not doing social stuff, say, well, you know, I really wanted to have some, some cool stealth elements and some cool social interaction. Do you think you can maybe work that into it, or can you think of a way to twist your build so it does do that? And you got to have an open dialogue. You, you, don't, you always want everyone to have fun. And if they're just not going to have fun doing this type of adventure, then change your adventure. Balance it out. Find that compromise. Of course, that being said, it would be pretty cool to have an entire party of barbarians have to deal with things like this. <laughs> you, you can have a lot of fun, and a one-shot is a great place to do those weird party builds. Normally in a campaign, you want to find a balance between your classes, just so that everyone survives. But in one-shot, everyone's a wizard. Okay, figure it out. <laughs> everyone's a barbarian. Sure, you could play a game where it's just kill everything and try to survive. That's fun. But it's also fun, if everyone's a barbarian, to see how they handle a social challenge. If everyone's a rogue, everyone's going to try to be sneaky and stealthy and steal things, but how do they survive uh, a knockdown, drag-out fight in the woods? You know, it, it's okay to play those opposites, uh, especially in a one-shot where you don't care if if everyone dies, <laughs> or there's right. negative consequences. Now, we'll throw in there that it's still a good idea to have a backup character in, in mind or a way for that to happen, because especially if you're going to play a one-shot and you're going to play for eight hours, and then in hour two, somebody dies, you don't want them to sit out for six hours. You want to have a way for them to come in. Right. A one-shot is where I would do a lot more hand-waving and be like, okay, landfill to uh, the brother of the barbarian exactly. who died. He's now here. I, and bring them in. In a, in a real campaign... I'm I'm going to try to have a much better, stronger story connection to new characters. But in a one-shot, you just don't want the guy sitting out for six hours. Unless that is part of it. If you are designing a one-shot where it's supposed to be deadly, and if someone dies, they're out, and that's part of the game is to see how long you can survive, you know, a la the Tomb of Horrors type of situation. And maybe maybe you have it set up that as people go out, there's like an alternate game over here. People start playing marvel legendary or they do something else and you know that's part of the fun then that's that's a separate situation but normally i would suggest try to have a way for additional characters to come in and this was on the last episode which hasn't aired yet one of the things that i mentioned is don't hold stuff back even in a regular campaign you want things to be exciting every game so that stuff so that people want to keep playing a one shot is where you don't have another game it's all got to be on the table before you're done the reason i bring that up is Going back to Made Men, our very first campaign series that we did here on the show was supposed to have been a one-shot. It was a one-day Saturday. We played for like eight hours, and it was so much fun that we just scrapped the game we were playing to keep playing that. And I still think part of it is because I ran it like a one-shot where I had a lot of cool stuff happening, and I didn't have so much brooding theme going on, you know, and build that the characters were just constantly doing stuff over and over and over again. So just 
be be ready to understand that if you are like me and you run very slow, you know, moody games, that your players might have a very strong reaction to a game that's very action oriented, and uh, they may like it a lot better. Uh, yeah, definitely. Don't be surprised if everyone latches on to these new characters in a one shot, and don't hold yourself if your players want to continue. Don't hold yourself to playing from that point. Like, let's say for the one shot, everyone rolled tenth level characters and they ran through this dungeon. And everyone says, wow, that was really awesome. I want to play more of these characters. Sure, you can very easily continue with 10th level PCs and keep going from that point after that dungeon. Or you can say, all right, let me write a session on this. Flashback, level one. And you start from the beginning getting characters to the point of your one shot. That's pretty cool, too. It'd be interesting to see the evolution of these characters and kind of role-play how they get to that point. Going back to something you said, though, um, a minute ago... A one-shot is kind of a way to win D&D. If you are playing a, a brutal campaign where you have one character and it's a one-shot, and if you're dead, you're dead, you can kind of play to see who wins that game. Last man standing gets a prize. I mean, if this is a, uh, a, a, a lot, as you said at the beginning of the show, a lot of one-shots happen at tournament, at um, conventions. You know, maybe the, uh, the, the guys running the one-shot give away uh, a free PDF or a free paperback to whoever, quote-unquote, wins the game, survives it. If you guys are having a big gaming weekend at your place with your regular group or at your local gaming store, maybe make it kind of a round-robin tournament. Whoever survives the most moves on to the next harder game or gets to run the next game or or gets to pick something special that you're doing that weekend, or gets to you know pick dinner or something. Oh, just a prize. I mean, it yeah. literally could be like a RPG book, or a ma- I mean, it could even be like a meta thing where they get a magic item for their character in the regular game. It, you yeah. could you, you can make it a lot more gamey and meta gamey and those types of things if that's something your group would enjoy. Not every group would, but sure. But yeah, I think. At the end of the day, what we're saying is a one-shot is the time to try something that maybe you don't have the confidence to try in your regular game. Mm-hmm. Like, I want my characters to all play dragons. We're all going to play actual dragons. One-shot's the time to do that. Probably a, a campaign of dragons might be hard to navigate unless, you know, unless you're a very experienced DM, and even then it can be difficult. High-level characters, evil characters. You know, we, t- you know, we watched the Book of Isle Darkness recently. If you want to play an all-evil party, a one-shot's a great time to do that because... If, if it doesn't work out that well, no harm, no foul. You know, it was a one-time thing. So what, I guess at the end of the day, what I'm saying is one-shots can be fun if you let them. Not everyone has the opportunity. You know, my game, I don't play nearly as much as I would like. I'd like to play four nights a week, but I wouldn't be married if I did. So I don't have a lot of opportunity, but I do like to try different games. I do like to try new systems. I like to have different people DM, and one-shots are a way for me to accomplish that and let me play some rather than have to DM all the time. Absolutely. Uh, I, th- I think you hit it right on the head there. All right. So you want to sum up? I think you had successfully <laughs> spent the entire show talking about the lexicon and a little bit less about the synergy. <laughs> so le- let's say this. We're going to put the, the synergy cards in the show notes. So let's throw it out to the listeners. Anyone who hears the show, read over the cards, put something in the comments, or hit us on Facebook or Twitter or wherever, and... Uh, share your concept ideas for maybe a one-shot or maybe an interesting way to combine some of the cards that are out there. Um, but do it in, in the mind of making a, a single encounter that you could work into a one-shot or just a standalone, here's a cool NPC. Like, 
one of the things I was looking at as we've been talking here is actually some of the things that the magic cards do, not just the names, not just the flavor. Uh, like, for example, the Glacial Stalker card actually, according to the text, has an element of deception. It can come in as one creature but change into another if you pay the cost. So maybe you would use that as, a, as an element. Maybe the witch has a familiar, and if the right circumstance happens, that familiar becomes a huge monster to fight. Or think of it a little bit more background, maybe the, um, <clears throat> the tranquil grove that the players have to um, have that parlay in is actually on the back of this beast, this glacial stalker. And if blood is shed, then he awakens or transforms into a rampaging beast and tries to kill you. I mean, you can do really awesome, huge, crazy set pieces like that in a one-shot. It's just as awesome in a campaign to deal with those consequences, but in a one-shot, if you want to go crazy and say, all right, you're in a dungeon, and the dungeon comes alive, sure, why not? <laughs> so in summary here, one-shots are a single game intended to have a start and a finish in one gaming session. It is a great way to experiment with interesting PCs, NPCs, bad guys, environments. It's A one-shot is really just a way to go crazy and have a lot of fun. Whether you are playing something like uh, that follows a theme, like a movie or a TV show or a comic book, and you're, or a cartoon, and you're playing those established, already existing characters, or you're just going crazy in the system that you already know and building something wacky. If you're playing a brand new system you've never tried before, uh, a one-shot is just a way to try something different and have fun. And that's it. I would say that I couldn't say that better, but I probably could, but it would take me about a week. <laughs> so that was a really good sum up. That's, that's, uh, that's what Professor Crunch brings to the table. <laughs> Professor Crunch brings mechanical expertise and the ability to sum up. The sum up. The summation. The sum, summonator. The summonator. Oh, shit. I'm going to have to quit coming up with a cool name for you. I don't need another title. We need to get you a title. Quit naming me. Yeah. All right. So uh, pretty much that, that's going to wrap up the show for this week. I think uh, thematically that's, that's held together well. I'm really happy with that. So I will, um, I'm going to read these reviews, and, uh, and that will be that. So our first review comes from Tymonger, who wrote, If you're having fun, you're doing it right. At first, I had a problem with that statement because they were not following the rules of the games they were playing. But the more I listen to them, the more I enjoy their love of the games and make me want to try more games than I normally play. They have a great intro to each show and that makes it easy to pick up no matter where you're at and not feel lost. They are a great example of how this kind of podcast should be done. And at my local game shop, I make sure they know about this podcast whenever the topic is brought up. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much, Timemonger, for writing the review. We really appreciate it. Our second review comes from Z-O-M-G-H-A-X-X, who writes, For seasoned gamers and the die curious. After getting back into tabletop gaming, I looked into a new wide variety of RPG podcasts to sharpen my game a bit. Of the many, the RPG Academy is the only one that I still listen to regularly. Michael and Caleb discuss widely varied aspects of tabletop gaming, focused primarily on DMing, even with their differing approaches to gaming, they affectionately refer to as crunchy and fluffy. Their personalities are perfect complements, and they often have guest hosts to offer 
other outside perspectives. I'd recommend this podcast to the die curious and seasoned gamers alike. Again, thank you very much, Z-O-M-G-H-A-X-X. We have a review from CMB Ryan or CM Brian. Great advice, valuable ideas. Fun campaigns to listen to and can help a person understand how to play the game. The greatest value, however, are their table topic episodes. Easy to listen to, valuable insights, likable hosts, a must listen for DMs and players alike. And then our most recent review on USA iTunes is by m.a.t.t. Pretty great. Hard not to like a podcast that takes time out to thank everybody who writes a review. So here I go. The show is consistently fun. I like the actual play episodes, but love table topics. Recent Gen Con and Angry DM episodes were great. I've been playing RPGs for ages, almost always with the same group. RPG Academy broadens my perspective on games I love and gives me lots of ideas for how to improve my game. If you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Matt. All right, and so here is our review from Canada iTunes. It is by PopsicleMan9. Title is, Love the Podcast, Keep Up the Great Work. And PopsicleMan9 says, This podcast is great. I agree. That is awesome. Thank you. And now for our UK review. So this is the review from RPG Gamer Dad. The title is fantastic. I could listen all day. I only discovered this podcast recently, but it instantly became one of my favorites. I love the table topic episodes, which are brimful of ideas to encourage creativity and originality. The actual play sessions are also fantastic. As a bonus to my English ears, the host, Michael, has the most amazing accent. I could listen all day. Thank you so much, RPG Gamer Dad, for your review, and to everyone else who took the time to give us a rating or review. It does make a difference in how we are found on iTunes, so the more ratings and more reviews we get, the more likely other people are going to find us and join in. So thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And going forward, this is kind of what we're going to do at the top of the show. I will mention any new reviews that we have, and at the end of the show, I will read them to show our appreciation and our thanks. And of course, uh, another way to get a shout out on the podcast is to become a patron. So go to patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and uh, think about maybe donating some uh, hard earned dollars to us so that we can use them to make the show bigger and better. And then obviously follow us on Twitter at the RPG Academy or at the Caleb G. And then also think about joining our Facebook page where we get um, we pretty much double post almost everything that we put on the website on Facebook. And then sometimes we have contests or just uh, questions and comments, that kind of thing. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. You can give us feedback and comments on our website, therpgacademy.com. You can listen to previous podcasts on our website and subscribe to new ones on iTunes. If you have a suggestion for a table topic, we'd love to hear it. Email us at podcast at therpgacademy.com or connect with us. We're on Twitter at The RPG Academy. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash The RPG Academy. We also have a Google Plus page, The RPG Academy. As always, thanks for listening. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.